Welcome to Hope and Heresy, Life on the Religious Left, where we wrestle with contemporary issues using history and theology as our guides. Our task is to reclaim religion for everyday people who want to live meaningfully without letting arbitrary doctrine or oppressive religious practice prevent us from asking big questions about our complicated world. I'm Reverend Sarah Lindsay. And I'm Reverend Peggy Clark, and we're Unitarian Universalist Ministers broadcasting from Community Church of New York here in New York City. Welcome to this episode of Hope and Heresy. Today's show is called The Spirituality of Technology. Technology is a powerful tool, but how often do we pause to thoughtfully consider how it can be used for good or ill? And don't worry, this is a shame-free zone. We're not here to tell you to get off Facebook or to get off the grid. We're exploring the moral implications and the potentialities of our current technological age. So let's go. So Peggy, today we're talking about technology, and we're talking about this because in our first podcast, I said something (laughs) about how the state of the world, although it's been bad before, things are different now because of climate change and technology, and that's why we decided to have our first two episodes be on climate change and technology. The reason that I had been thinking about this question of what makes this moment different in time is because of a sermon I gave about a month ago, in which I said technological advances that have made so many wonderful things possible are just now beginning to be checked and brought into the same sorts of social contracts that we attempt to operate with offline, but that the anonymity and distance of our globally connected world seems to continue to encourage the privilege of cruelty without the responsibility of critical engagement with the truth. Hmm. So I've been wrestling with this question of technology and its nature and how we live a grounded spiritual life in relation to the tools we currently possess. So, essentially what you're asking is, you're talking about the difference between the way people behave right now and the way that we behaved, say, you know, pre-social media, or are you even, like, talking about email, or when you're talking about this social contract like where where is it that that line gets right so it's a really good question and i think there's two pieces to this right there's the very present question right now of how we operate with social media right that's a particularly sort of lawless part right. of technological advancement right so that's one one frame of this is how do we look at the the ways that we engage online through that particular technology in a grounded, spiritually centered kind of way, and what impact does that have on our behaviors, or could it have on our behaviors? Mm -hmm. But I think then there's a bigger primary question, which is, is technology to be valorized, right? Like, is progress, and then you can can have a conversation going all the way back to the Industrial Revolution, right? Right, like, what do we mean by technology? Right. And, and, and in some ways, I am asking, I mean, what do we mean by technology? Are we saying the printing press? Are we talking about, you know, the use of iron as a tool? I mean, how far Right, well, this is, right, we right. So, so, right, there's technology and there's tools, right? Um, and yeah, in a way, you could, we could, if we wanted to, push the argument or push the question, really not an argument, but push the question to, do any tools have a particular value, a good or bad value, a particular 
spiritual caste unto themselves, right? Um, or we could talk about the fact that in the last 40 years, our technology has so drastically outpaced our evolution, right? right. In other words, the development of, of sharpening a stone into a point, right, took mm. however long it took to get to, and then right. it took however long from there to the next innovation. Right, but in We've the last had, 40 years, right. we're, we're exponential. Right, the technology right. advance has been exponential right. in the last couple of decades. And our ability to keep up with it, and we keep up with it insofar as we use all those tools, right. but how we, in fact, reflected on what any of that means. Right. Even something like the printing press, when that became the norm, there was reflection about it. I mean... You know, first it was Bibles, and then it was romance novels, and it, and pretty quickly people were asking, you know, is it is this what we meant? Is this a good thing right. or not a good thing? But see, that's I think that's exactly part of what's tricky for me is we ask the question too late. It seems to me, and admittedly, well, right now, yeah. well, and I think all through time, right? Admittedly, we cannot possibly predict all of the different ways that tools are going to be used, right? Well, and when people start sounding an alarm about something that hasn't really taken hold, they mm. seem a little ridiculous. So by the time we get to the point where it matters, right. we're, we're like really beyond the moment. <laughs> right, we could have had true, the conversation, right? but you we missed sort it. sort of like too much of a Luddite, too sort of right. resistant, a little right. old fashioned and nobody wants to. Right. And yet then you end up with, you know, beheading videos on YouTube right. that, you know, children can stumble upon because they go too down the rabbit hole. Right. Um, so there's gotta be somewhere where we, we have to have evolved, I hope enough to be able to be, thoughtful not alarmist but thoughtful right and and i don't know maybe we maybe we can't maybe we don't have that capacity is there a forum to be thoughtful i mean it seems like right now the conversations are around privacy or around censorship or maybe around children specifically but are there forums for conversations around thoughtfulness just can we, you know, just taking a step back and asking, how does this serve us? Well, so there have been some alterations in how online space is regulated, right? There are some online, you know, social media sites that are dialing back their allowances for things like white supremacist groups to, you know, gather on their online Right, that's content-based. So, right, right. I mean, but that's, that, I think, is in a way how you police thoughtfulness, right, is you police content. The question of your question of are there are there groups who are devoting themselves to sort of reframing our use of technology and creating more? Um, I actually don't know. It's a good question. I don't know either. And which would actually lead me to believe that even they if there are, exist. they're not that effective. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> because they haven't made into mainstream. Us, right. right. If neither <laughs> one of us has encountered these, right. then probably they are not of any significance, making right. any real change in the cultural cultural way of being so I, but you know i mean just to stay, take a step back from that who yeah. does do the thinking in a in our culture right now i mean I, it almost feels like talk show hosts specifically late night talk show hosts are the national consciousness that's like where we seem to um give thought to the day's events and potentially i would suggest ministers are a place where regular information is processed. And I, I don't know that in either of those, 
more private or very public forums that anyone is really asking big questions around the implications for technology. Certainly not even the ministers, it seems to me, with the exception of the sermon that you preached, are really asking the question around like the spiritual implications for right. technology or the, the rightful place of right. any of these things really in our lives, partially because it's ubiquitous. I mean, I read the New York Times this morning, which is something people have been doing for, what, 150 years, but I read it on an iPad. And it didn't occur to me to wonder if there was an ethical implication to the iPad reading. If we were to talk about iPads, we could talk about China, we could talk about labor rights, right? There's right. a lot of things to talk about. But the actual use of an iPad to read the, the Times, I've never really had a conversation around Right. Whether this is well, and so this relevant. gets to an interesting question, right? So there are obviously, as you point out, right, using an iPad versus having things in print. There's all sorts of implications in terms of human labor, right? In right. terms of environmental cost, like maybe it's a great thing that we aren't printing so much anymore because we're not yeah. using so much paper, and isn't that great? But then yeah, there, so there's child labor. There, yeah. you know, so there's <clears throat> there are complicated, complicated layers to that what goes into the production of technology right. and whether or not we're doing that in a way that is ethical, right? Right, which is but, a separate question. But that's a separate conversation, right? The conversation today is really around, is there some sort of spiritual cost to you using an iPad, right? right? Maybe to read the New York Times, not so much, but maybe there is a potential spiritual cost and a potential spiritual boom to our use of online spaces social media, right? So if we think of something like reading the New York Times, which is something that has been true for a very long time, this didn't happen this morning, but it happens sometimes where I read an article and then there's like a comment section on the article and people are weighing in instantly, right? It, it goes online and instantly people get to decide whether they like it or not. And in some of those cases, people are are offering real insight into something, offering a counterpoint or a point of reference that's useful. Um, so on its own, we're still just reading the times, and yet technology has moved that conversation forward in a way we couldn't have anticipated 40 years ago. Right, and so this is where I would argue, and we can debate this, but I would argue that the tools themselves are neutral. And it's all in how we make use of them, right? So, so, and this, the very same tool can be put to good or evil, right? So the comment section of a New York Times article could be put to great use if it's critical engagement and it's a counterpoint and it's thoughtful and it's considered and it's well-spoken and not cruel, right? right? But that all too often, the anonymity and the distance and the feeling like it's not really yours or you don't know who's going to be on the other side of it allow folks to engage in ways that are actually spiritually negative, that, that have a cost, like a moral cost, right? Right. So if the tool itself isn't, is morally neutral, it's not on its own, good or bad, then... What makes it so is us. It becomes an amplification of human nature. And for that, we're all responsible. Right. And if you think back, I mean, we talked about this earlier offline, but when you, <laughs> if you think about any tool, right, the first, you know, early human who carved a knife out of a stone, right, 
to cut up the whatever to feed his family. <laughs> like, great, feed your family. And then somebody turned around and stabbed another person with it, right? right. So <laughs> the very same tool can be used for good things and bad things, right? right. The, the tool itself is not the problem. It's how we use things that is what becomes the spiritual conversation, right? It becomes the, the part that's about our grounding and our morality and our um, consistency with our values. And it, and it is about how we see the world, right? If I see the world as a place where I want the opportunity to be unkind because no one's looking at me, right? Or if I see the world as I'm separate from all these other people, and so how I treat them doesn't matter, right? Like there's like, you wouldn't go online to the comment section of the times and be cruel and display your ignorance. Well, you might, if you but viewed they the world. Well, but, but even now, right? Like you don't go online to the times <laughs> and write a comment that's all about. No. In other words, your orientation to seeing the world in a universalist way, right? Of seeing all of us as connected and part of the same human right. family and owing each right. other respect, <clears throat> that determines how you're going to use the tools you're given. So mm -hmm. you're going to use Facebook to organize Meatless Mondays and organize for climate change, right? right. Um, and others are going to use it to be cruel. And that's where it becomes a question about spiritual orientation because I think I'm going to say this and we can talk about it but I think the way that people use tools technology as a tool is an indicator of their spiritual orientation but we forget that and so we don't always live with our tools consistent with the values we say we hold dear does that make sense it does and yet somehow I have this like weird uh sense that some of it has to do with how we respond to things. This, this is a kind of funny example, but mm -hmm. um, not long after the, or maybe even before the 2016 election, Facebook suggested that my plumber might want, I should maybe friend my plumber. So I hit and I went to his page and the very first thing he had on there was um, a picture of four female artists. And he was clearly responding to that really nasty comment from Trump that was like the October before the election went out and everyone is talking about how horrible he is to women. So this is a, a meme with four artists with their legs spread during some performance. And he's like, you know, who's really disrespecting women? And his thing was like, mm. the women were clearly just disrespecting themselves. So while I have never called that plumber again, I also am aware that in his own mind, what he was doing was trying to respect women, was trying to say that there's a way in which women have um, some sense for themselves and this is how they're behaving. He's sort of judging how they're behaving, but that there's an independence in there and an assumption of, of independence. And... So my thought is I saw that as being raunchy and inappropriate and made me not ever want to talk to him again. And yet someone else may have seen that same thing and seen it as supportive, maybe supportive of a candidate or supportive of this moment in history or there are all kinds of other ways to have seen it that were not my response. So not only do I think the tool may be neutral, 
I think even some of what we do, I mean, I think so much of it is about how we respond to the world. So I was using a lens, a particular filter that made what he did really inappropriate. But I'm sure that there are other filters and other lenses. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of the beauty of, and it goes back to your point about the New York Times article, part of the beauty of the online space is that we get perspectives we might not ever see. Right. And yet, if his point was... Women have the right to, don't think this was his point, but if his point was sort of like women have independence and can, there's a different way to say that, right? Well, women are doing this to themselves kind of thing, as I think his point. Yeah, well, I mean, if that was his point, then like, I think you come at the world in fundamentally different ways and maybe he shouldn't be your plumber, right? Right, well, I was exerting my own independence. Right, by (laughs) finding a new plumber. (laughs) But, But in other words, it's not as if the online, I'm not suggesting that our behavior online And the way that we, I don't want to say police online spaces, but the way that we address issues in online spaces should imagine that we all have the same perspective or are going to react to things in the same way. Just as in real time, in real life, you know, even you and I who are aligned in a million different ways are going to come across things where we just don't feel the same about it, right? right? But the point is, there's something about the remove of the technology it's a lot harder sitting at a table with someone you don't agree with to start calling them foul names yes. than it is with the one remove of technology, right? We're, we are not taught well how to disagree, right. but we're at least taught that in person we ought to disagree with some modicum of like right. politeness. And, and like politeness is overplayed. Like I'm not trying to suggest that right, at but all how points. many people have sent an email that you know, right. should never. Right, right, exactly. And like, so absolutely, online spaces are not going to be, humans are humans, right? That's true of the first one who carved a knife up to right. the inventor of Facebook, right? Like, humans are humans, right? Um, and exactly because we're human and we have a capacity for self-reflection and for analysis and future thinking and visioning, it just strikes me as so interesting that we cannot seem to put aside our valorization of progress enough to question how the progress will be used, right? So think of even like the atom bomb, right? Like we knew what we were doing, I suppose, but one could have engaged in that technology without it being turned to destruction. Oh, really? Well, yeah. it's, a, it's an energy I guess source, a power, right? right? It's, a, it's an energy. Yeah. I'm not saying we should have used an energy source. Like just me. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And, and we didn't have the critical engagement to think, or maybe we did and we didn't care, which is another conversation unto itself, to think, okay, this thing we're about to do is going to destroy millions of lives. But, but what we now understand is it has destroyed generations of lives, right? right? And we don't it's, – it's that piece that always baffles me, that we're not able – to sort of look at something and go, okay, this thing is like meeting a need right now and seems really great, but can we just take a minute to think about what the ramifications are going to be? So let's develop online chat rooms, right? My, my cousin had a personal computer when we were like, I don't know, 12 or 13, right? And you remember that AOL, like, do, do, do. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
we're in a chat room and I kid you not, we're like 13 and some middle-aged dude is chatting us up and we're pretending to be like a 17 year old girl. And it was not cool. Like in retrospect, if my own child were doing this, I would have a panic attack. Right. right? But, but that was, we just unleashed onto the world. right? Right. We, this is what we do. We unleash technology into the world without any thought for how, and then we backpedal later going, oh, oops, this wasn't exactly what we thought it was going to, you know? Yeah. And what we have created has the potential for a tremendous good. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think about, I mean, what got us into this conversation is this idea that the world is in a different place right now because, because of the very real threat to climate and the platform of existence. And pair, we have paired that with the ability to have conversations around the world very, very quickly. <clears throat> so... With that, I we sort of went into the conversation as this is catastrophic, but I would also suggest that this could be our salvation. Absolutely agreed. I, I'm sorry if I ever suggested that I thought it was catastrophic. No, I, I think absolutely, we both, I mean, we sort of were like, you know, held yeah. it up as this is what's different. But I absolutely think that technology has the potential as an organizing tool, as a community building tool, as a globalization tool, right? Like there's good sides to globalization. It has the absolute possibility of being our salvation, but right. it's all in how we choose to use it. Right. Do you ever see Avenue Q? Oh, I feel like I have, yeah. It's a musical a bunch oh, of yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah. but there's this song that the, the song is The Internet is for Porn. My sister made me see that. <laughs> it was a great musical. But the point is, that there's so many ways that tools get used. I mean, probably somebody could have anticipated that the internet would get used for porn, but right. there are so many ways that tools get used in sort of unanticipated ways. Right. Right. And the question becomes like, how do you garner the best out of something? Like, how do, you, how do you get the best out of the technology that we have and not let it devolve into, you know, a playground for hate and meanness, right? Um, so we go back to the solution having less to do with the topic and more to do with really personal choice, behavior, spiritual path, spiritual grounding, and yeah. community. I think so. And I think, you know, the, the, I think the answer isn't that you disengage completely. Like I, more power to my friends who've left Facebook. Like I get it. That's a good self-care choice if that's what you need. And it moves us backwards. Well, that's the thing. I think the reality is we exist in a world of technology that you cannot escape from. Short of like literally living. It's really letting go of the tool. I mean, if we're actually going to save the world, if we're going to organize, we're going to organize against climate change, if we're going to create new social norms, if we're going to fight fascism, if we're going to fight, I mean, let's face it, Homeland Security is walking into New York City in a way that really reminds me a lot of 1930s Germany. When we see that, how do we stop it? I mean, how do we connect with each other in a way and build a movement in a city of 8 million people if not through social media. So walking away from it, I get the self-care part, but we also can't fall asleep. Right. I think the trickiest thing for me remains that dangerously, social media can be a salve that makes you not do, like not take to the streets, right? In other words, the echo chamber of my Facebook world 
where everybody agrees and, you know, it can be, it's sort of like, I've posted this thing or I've argued with this person about that or I've displayed my belief in this so I don't need to go out to the march or go outside to mobilize or I don't need to take those streets, right? right? That's another one of these very sort of tenuous lines that we walk with technology, this particular type of technology, right, is when is it being used as a way to sort of let us off the hook so that we don't have to do the in-person, on-the-ground, like right. real, I can know. see that. That's, I think that's one of the dangers. Um, and I think, I think a lot of this gets us back to some of our larger conversations that we're going to continue to have <laughs> probably every week around issues of capitalism and what it is that we actually value as a nation and as individuals, right? Because if what we value is consistently innovation, growth, progress, those things don't involve thoughtful right. <laughs> thoughtful use of tools those are let's put the tools to the best work to get the most to the productivity the right what know. is it that really motivates us is it right is it money right. is right right and this is again where it comes back to a spiritual mm-hmm. conversation right because if what you are motivated by as an individual is not money position power if what you're motivated by if what you believe the world is meant for is community care love right then the way that you move through the world, the tools that you use, the way that you use them, the, the ways that you engage with others, all of that's going to be different, right? Yes, and the question is, how is it that we shift from being in a culture where it's really okay to dismiss people and to treat them badly in an online environment and then somehow also live as if love was at the center. I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is I have seen people do both. Right. I've seen people declare themselves universalists who believe in universal salvation and an absolute love for all beings, and then go online and they're pretty right. freaking nasty. So I think you're right. There is often a disconnect, right? That what people say they believe and how they conduct themselves are not always consistent. Right. Right. And I think lots there's of forums. Right, right. Right. In person and online. Right. And I think there's something in that that gets to a question of human nature. Right. That like how easy is it to actually live every day consistent with our like deepest held beliefs and values versus like feeling passionate in the moment and reacting and having a thought that we feel like we need to share. Right. right. Um, and I think part of that is about how we engage with each other and what we are our sort of need to be, our need to, to make claims, our need to say our truths, our need to be in the world in a way that feels like it's moving something along or moving something forward, right? right. So, yeah, I mean, I think there really is often a big disconnect. Um, and I don't know what the solution is to resolve it. Well, it would seem the solution, at least around the question of technology, is about making a choice to in, sort of in what way you're going to engage. Right. Are you going, like this morning my son told me, said I'm deciding, he's 10, deciding if I'm going to be an engineer or an architect. And I said, huh, it's really cool. What does an engineer do? And he's like, well, I don't really know. And I'm like, let's go with architect. <laughs> but, but I think our neighbor's an engineer, so yeah. <laughs> right, and he builds bridges, actually. So I thought that's what he would say, but I guess in the moment he couldn't even remember why he thought it was cool. But there is something about both of those careers are tech today, 
technology mm-hmm. based and have nothing to do right again they're they're neutral they're spiritually neutral they're morally neutral and then you have a choice and i think that there's a way in which we can use technology to create something gorgeous or we can use technology to continue to sort of live in the swamp yeah and maybe this is actually the foundational point right is that we as humans have an impulse to create right we we want to make things right we want to make food for each other we want to make bridges we want to make technological advancements right and the question is how we approach that making do we create because we're creating something that's going to better the world and the people around us are we creating neutral things and we just sort of throw our hands up about what happens to them afterwards you know but that that sort of that we cannot erase our impulse to create and to make And the question then becomes, do we have the forethought and the consciousness to create with hopefully the best intentions and then with some sense of how can we help each other make best use of these things that we create? So if we use a technology like Facebook, what we create is new social norms and we create the possibility for organizing to transform the world, to shift it into more of the world we dream about and we create these small and large but authentic communities which really are formed online for lots of people in in different settings okay so this is it this is what i think (laughs) this is where i'm at this is where i'm at after our discussion is that what's called for in this moment is not creation in the way that humans have valorized it for millennia Mm-hmm. That we are not in a moment of needing new technology. I mean, we might need to terraform Mars at some point, but not yet. <laughs> we are not in a moment of needing new technology. What we're in a moment of needing is what you just said, right? The creation of new social norms, the creation mm-hmm. of new ways of engaging with each other and the planet and our tools that we already have. So that the, the creation that's called for right now is not the creation of things, but the creation of ways of being that will enable us to actually live into the future. So we've come to the end of our podcast, and it is our time for a moment of action. What can you do to get involved? For a moment of action this week, we're encouraging you to exercise your human nature as a creator but to create with intent and purpose and make sure that what you're creating is something positive that'll have a good impact in the world. So maybe you're going to create a piece of beautiful art and you're going to share it on that spiritually neutral technology of social media. Or maybe you're going to create a new friendship or a delicious meal for your family. We don't care what, just go create something good. And now it's time for our moment of hope. And to deliver our moment of hope today, we have our guest star, our producer, Amy Wilson. So we were talking about uh, technology and the ways in which it can enable either creative or destructive expressions of human nature. One thing that uh, the three of us agreed on is that um, when we use technology to explore our world in a more in-depth way, 
and disseminate the results of that exploration to everybody who lives in the world so that we can agree that that's a, a hopeful and creative use of technology. So um, the date is February 11th, uh, 2020, and just earlier this week, um, we got some good news from uh, our friends out in space, uh, the Voyager 2 satellite, which was launched over 40 years ago, um, shut itself down last week, uh, and it just came back online. Now, this is the uh, Voyager satellite that's also carrying uh, one of the famous golden records that was developed by Carl Sagan, among others, to carry a message of hope and humanity out to whoever might be able to, to finally decode um, that message. Um, and the Voyager Golden Record includes things like greetings from many different languages, ancient and modern. It includes music ranging from Bach to Johnny B. Good <laughs> to um, a chant by uh, Navajo Indians. So we can recall as we're thinking about technology and, and the uses of technology that that is out there. It's carrying a, a hopeful and generative message of humanity and that the results of its exploration will be available not only for us, but for future generations to better understand the world that they're living in. So that's the end of our podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you to Amy for being our guest star. Sarah, I'll see you next week. I'll text you before next week. Constantly. <laughs> all the way through the night. That's true, actually. That's a very true fact. I do. I like to message Peggy a lot. <laughs>